Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Unlicensed Entertainment. I'm your host, Carl Etner. Uh, just a brief note, uh, usually this is, uh, every other episode I do a show with my wife. Uh, we are not doing that today. She is busy, uh, but uh, we'll get to who we have as special guests soon. This will be the last episode for a little bit. I had a surprise move come up because our landlord's a dick and we are moving next month. So I'm not going to try to schedule anybody else and then also move. It's just too hectic. So we will be taking the month of April off the show and then we'll be, we will be back in May. But I have exciting guests today. Uh, we were improv teammates for a few years. Uh, we uh, went to the same high school together. He's a great guy. My friend Chris Flock is on the show today. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Carl, for having me. Good afternoon, buddy. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's gonna be, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so let's just dig into it. Uh, some of the things that I thought would be interesting to talk about is the fact that I'm going to be honest with our listeners here. I don't care about sports one bit, but I do think it's interesting that you have gotten into sports riding. How did you fall into that? Well, you know what? I always loved journalism and reporting. And at Glendora High, they didn't choose me for newspaper and yearbook. And it, it, was, uh, it was always a thorn in my side. So when I got to Citrus College, the professor, Meg O'Neill, encouraged me to do it, and it kind of took off from there. Did you and did you choose sports, or uh, or was that kind of, uh, were you just thrown into that category? You know what? After college, it was just a lucky break, because I couldn't get a sports story at my college newspaper, but at Pasadena Weekly and other outlets, they didn't have a guy to do sports. So I just kind of filled the niche. And it was great because I spent my life watching sports. And um, I, I've, I've always loved it. Uh, so you've been doing sports writing uh, during COVID, of course. Uh, how, how has that been different for you uh, since the pandemic has set in? Or has it been different? It's sad. The fans attending sports games is such an integral part of the sport itself. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's like a TV program, and it's changing now, thank God. But not having the fortune of watching the Dodgers win the World Series at Chavez Ravine or the Lakers at Staples Center. Mm -hmm. Is, is sad for the fans, even though they both won the, the respective World Series and NBA title. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get that. But it, so it's just it's just changed from a fat standpoint of of the of seeing it. There's nothing been like changing in the games or anything like that. It's changed sports writing, or uh, has the lack of fans changed sports writing for you? Oh. It's definitely changed it 180 degrees. The greatest part of my job was the access and intimacy. You got to see the lives of these coaches and players, you know, to see how the sausage is made. The fact that the Rose Bowl wasn't in Pasadena this past January just broke my heart, Carl. Mm -hmm. It was my favorite event to cover. And they had two great teams, Alabama and Notre Dame. And for um, just FYI, uh, Notre Dame and Alabama are like the two biggest uh, college football sports programs in in the history. Okay. Yeah. So it's changed a lot. You don't get to have access to them, and you don't get to watch the fantastic. Uh, exhibition, like sitting in the press box and all the perks and stuff like that. Yeah, you definitely have a different perspective if you're only seeing it on TV. You're seeing what everyone else is seeing. You're not getting the inside scoop or anything like that. Is that basically it? <sighs> yes, and another thing I just thought of is what a sacrifice the people who are covering it, the players and the leagues have made to constantly be tested and go through that day after day and obey those strict protocols 
Yeah, it's definitely I have a great deal of respect for them as well. Well, yeah, traveling and stuff like that with these restrictions and only be able to see certain people, not really going out and, enjoy, and enjoying life uh, the way they usually would when they're going around has to be hard for sure. Oh, yeah. My, my friend, they were in bubbles, self-contained little cities that they had to stay in. Yeah, I, I heard about the that. NBA and, for the NBA and baseball, MLB. And, and those seasons are long. Now it's happening in college basketball. They're having the March of Madness um, tournament, and, and all the games are being played in the state of Indiana, whereas before it was hosted or it had many sites. True. But one thing that, that at least works for them is no one has home field advantage, really, because the thing you get that from is from the crowds. They definitely don't, don't have like biased crowds going either way if there's no crowd. You know what? It's a statement like that that makes me think you like sports because it's something that completely skipped my mind. Home field advantage. It's a, such, uh, such a great deal that's been taken away and lost because of fans not being able to attend. Great point, me amigo. <laughs> I, I try to, I try to, I listen to some podcasts that go over sports, so I, I understand how sports work, but I'm bored by them. Let me ask you this, okay. Since I don't like sports, because I, I just never understood it, could you explain to me what you get as someone just watching someone? Like, I like playing sports. I think going out there and playing sports is fun, but just sitting down and watching other people play them oh bores me. I so what do you get out watching it. professionals do uh, that? Moving to play handicapped baseball and soccer made me tired. I love the talented people doing it. I love watching it. Um... They're at the highest stakes. There's thousands of people. There's millions of people rooting for them. They have these bigger-than-life personas. Uh, the games are so fair that it's really a good way to judge talent. I, I get that they're, they're talented and stuff like that, but for me, it's like, okay... Every sport basically has the team you, you like either wins or loses, and that, to me, is the whole story. So if you're not participating in it, you're not participating in the story, so I don't get it. Whereas I like scripted uh, comedies or dramas and stuff like that where you don't know where it's going to go because it can go in any direction they want it to go because there's infinite possibilities. Well, not infinite because there's really like seven different stories. But basically... Yes, but then there's subplots like player-coach dynamics like... This superstar player doesn't like playing for his head coach. So there's always little, like, uh, whiny behind-the-scenes details that sports fans get obsessed with, too. So, so like, that for, so like, it's, it's, um, it's really a study of, like, humanity, and it's just, it's effects. So you're saying, like, when I watch, because uh, I you do usually watch the Super Bowl with my dad during non-COVID times. Uh, and I, all, I, that's the only game I see. I don't really care for it that much. So you're saying being only like a, fa a person that just sees like one game a year, I'm not really seeing what the whole experience is because I'm only getting like a small chunk. Yeah, because you go inside, play your like profiles and history. It's like, this guy's going for his first Super Bowl, whereas uh, this guy is... Uh, this guy is trying to win on a new team like Tom Brady did in this year's Super Bowl. So there's so many storylines, man. Do you get sick of, uh, like, let's bring in Tom Brady. Or do you get sick, are you one of the people that get sick of people who win too much? Uh, not with Tom Brady, but I remember with Michael Jordan, who I think is the greatest athlete of all time. I remember thinking towards the end of his career, I'm like, my God, does this guy have to win every damn time? So yes, I can see that side of it, but it's great in appreciating the greatest sports stars or greatest figures of anything. Gotcha. Because it's so hard to get to one championship, Carl. Oh yeah, I'm sure. To get to five, six, ten championships. He seems to go every other year. Miracle. All right. Uh, Excuse well, me? 
Yeah, he uh, Tom Brady seems to go every other year. Yes, what he said is unprecedented. And what's uh, really cool about him is uh, in college, he went to Michigan and was basically a backup quarterback. And in the history of the NFL, all the legendary quarterbacks were studs. So for him to improve the way he did is just it's unheard of. That's really cool. Okay, uh, so where can you said you can you plug your your paper again where people could find you on there? Yeah, uh, I'm a freelancer. Okay, so that means I'm created everything by keeping one job. You know, mm-hmm. I th- I th- I thought that was funny. So on my Facebook page, I post my stories. I write for uh, DTLA Weekly, that's Downtown LA Weekly, Pasadena Weekly, occasionally, and a website called Canyon News. Okay, so is there a, is your Facebook profile open to people who want to see your, your articles? Is there in so many different places? Yes, I, it's all I post. Okay. I don't have much of a personal life. It'd be me sitting in front of the TV watching a game freaking soda. All right, uh, let's, uh, so people know your your full details so they could find that stuff they're interested in. Uh, I know it's Christopher Flock. I, I, could you uh, give the spelling? I don't want to have to. Oh, Christopher, here it is. Okay, so people want to look up, up your articles. It's Christopher, uh, which is normally spelled in Flock, which is F-L-O-C-H. Look him up on Facebook. An, an H instead of a K. Yes. My family's special in that way. <laughs> they wanted to, to stand out. Yeah. Uh, it's a long story. Apparently, my great-grandfather switched the K to an H. And ever since, we have been flocked with an H. We're very proud of it now. Really? I'll never change it. All right. Uh, let's get into uh, the next segment. So, for, uh, so for people who have been listening to the show for a little while, for since the beginning of this year, I started a new segment where I talk about thoughts on things that uh, came to me when I was watching different programs or different experiences that have to do with uh, entertainment. Uh, this first one, though, is a little bit out of the usual. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I'm moving right now. And I'm not sure if you have much experience with this, Chris, but uh, we're trying to move our internet service so that we could stream entertainment over to the new place. And calling a place to, to do something like this, being on the phone, is one of the most frustrating experiences. Basically, I called them. They told me they'll call me back. So wait an hour for them to call me back. Call me back. Call me back. I spent half hour with this person trying to set up the account. Thought it was all good. She's like, one more thing. Disappeared. Then 20 minutes later, a new person came online and had to do it all over again. She didn't know what the other person did. But then she... IT problems, man. <laughs> yeah. And then so like she's like, okay, we're finished with you, but now we need to send you over to this other place. So I got sent over to another place after 20 minutes. And they're like, Oh yeah, we had to start this all over again because they messed up and they instead of uh, moving your service over to the new place, they started up another service at that place and you still have a service at your place at now, so you need to cancel the place you're at now. It's like, wait, can't you do that? It's like, no, I can't do that. We have to transfer you. So I got transferred again. I spent, I got home at six o'clock. I was on the phone until nine o'clock and I didn't accomplish anything. I gave up and hung up. It was so frustrating. Nobody communicates. Not one part department can do one thing. There's they what, what they what they want to do is they set me up with two accounts so I get billed twice and then like let's make it impossible for him to quit this thing so we get the money and I was so frustrated that I hung up I have to do it again probably they're gonna get me frustrated again I'm gonna I'm just gonna end up going you know what, it's fine I'll pay an extra sixty bucks a month it's so evil um, the next one uh. So I was watching, a, you know, there's a Jurassic World cartoon on Netflix. Have you heard of this? Yes. It's surprisingly good. Uh, but the thing that happened in there that, that bugged me was uh, they, they meet, they, these kids get left behind on the island after everyone evacuates. And some other people, uh, headhunters come on the island and they're like, uh, you either show us where the dinosaurs are so that we can kill some dinosaurs or we're going to ditch you on this island and no one will know you're, you've been left here and you're going to die. And the kids go like, no, we're going to save the dinosaurs that have been trying to eat us. I don't know about you, but I don't care how endangered an animal is. If it's me or them, 
I'd be like, shoot that thing. Here, let me show you the best place for this thing. I am not going to die. I am not going to be T-Rex food. Please, destroy this thing and skip me home. What about you? Would you sacrifice your life for an animal? Oh, I would kill that animal in a heartbeat. No, Especially, too, because the last Chris Pratt Jurassic Park movie I seen, there was a clone. So, by definition, they have no soul. So, yes, if I was one of those clone children, well, I would easily shoot the uh, dinosaur. I mean, technically, aren't all of them clones? They're, they're, they're using the DNA and cloning them to make new dinosaurs. So, the entire island of Jurassic Park is clones. They just made a weird hybrid with the, in, the last, in the Chris Pratt movie. No, I just remember one girl, she was cloned from her mother or something like that. It was very confusing. Oh, yeah, that was stupid. I, yeah, that was terrible, dude. I like the first one with him and the Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, uh, yes. I think the only good yeah. Jurassic Park movie is the first one, but I've seen them all, so they got they get my money. So I guess they don't care if they're making crap. But yeah, I remember that. She's like, she's thinking about the dinosaur clones, the human girl that was clones. She's like, they're like me. So she freed them on the world. And just now the world's going to get attacked by dinosaurs. That was so stupid. Um, okay, so the next thing. Uh, so Falcon and Winter Soldier came out this week, and this isn't much of a spoiler or anything like that if you haven't seen that. Are you a fan of the Marvel franchise? Yes, I am a huge fan. Okay. Well, then in, this, in the first episode of the show, they touched upon something uh, that they, have, they didn't really touch upon much before, and that is the blip, the five years from Infinity War to Endgame, where everyone disappeared. And, like, I really think they should take that out of the Marvel Universe or at least take it out of the superhero dome and just show what that did to the real world as a drama. Because everyone disappearing and everyone thinking they're dead would be in like a real world problem, like half the population's gone, would be interesting to explore. Because they just evaporated into dust, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, they evaporated into dust. Everyone thought they're dead. So you move on with your life. You find a new wife. You find a you you're you start a new business, the person that owned that business is gone, they're dead. So, like, people move into houses, people uh, people just, just start over again. And five years later, when everyone comes back, sure, you're happy so that the... the pacing re- was terrible. It was as if it was, like, one day that passed when really people's lives would have moved on. You're right. It would destroy the... The economy would be destroyed because, like, people... The homeless population would instantly go crazy because, like... If someone dies, their assets are, are split up and sent to the government. They don't have anything for that or like sent to air or something like that. The money's gone. Their homes are gone. If they own a business, their business is gone. So they come back and unless they have family that was not lost in the blip, they are screwed. Like there'd be so many problems. Like you, you think uh, that this pandemic has messed up the world. The population coming back would destroy it even so worse. Many, and yes, and there'd be a heavy emotional toll. My God, imagine if people came back from the dead in our lives. Yeah. They just like blew past that in the next one. Like Spider-Man, like, hey, like Spider-Man. They, for five years, but we were, we yes, were alive. Everyone's happy. Like Spider-Man's like in that, in, in Far From Home, it's just like, it's so weird. I came back my little brother's older than me. Like, is that the only problem you had? Because it's much worse That's than that. That's the only problem. It's not like real life. Like, no, your death scarred me. Uh, I didn't have a mother or a father for or, five or six years. Or imagine how That's messed up it would be. No matter what. Or married couples. Like if, if your wife suddenly disappears, you, you finally go like, look, it's been years. I moved on with my life, fell in love, got married again. And then your wife comes back. It's not like you stopped mourning that person or like they weren't important to you anymore. There are now two very important people in your life. And how would you, how would you, you balance that? What would you do? Like there's so much inherent drama in this plot that is way bigger and way more interesting than a superhero plot, no matter how much I love the Marvel Universe. I think ground-level problems would be so interesting. Yes. Sounds like a great a great plot for kind of like an indie one, because didn't they have some uh, article that came out that said there'd be like billions of dollars of worth of destruction after one of the Avengers films because they're just destroying skyscraper after skyscraper. Oh yeah, superhero movies uh, destroy their towns. I've often thought about human life. Yeah, I mean, come on, all the <laughs> all the scaffolding and oh yeah, 
breathe, everything. Come on. That reminds me, I, I, this wasn't on my show notes, but I think this goes with something I was thinking about. In, in, if you oh. had to live in someone's city, okay, Superman versus Batman City, Metropolis versus DC, where would you want to live? Oh, um, Gotham, Gotham City, no question. You, you made the right choice. I think most people would say Metropolis because it's portrayed as like beautiful and sunlight and Gotham's dark and scary looking. But Batman faces human criminals who can make human damage, where Superman faces people that are like, could blow through buildings with all of its fights and just destroy the universe. Superman's so villains are way more, if, yes, his villains are way more dangerous. Bel Air or Pomona. Yeah, his, his villains are it much more dangerous. No difference, yeah. That superhuman thing is going to get me. Whereas in Batman, it's just a bunch of street jobs. Hopefully, I don't run into the main crime boss. Yeah. I mean, no, no, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't want to live in either town because they're very scary to live in if you think about it. But uh, I think Superman's world, uh, Metropolis is secretly more dangerous. I think Metropolis is too on the nose like New York City. Well, I mean, also, isn't uh, Gotham has like a Gotham, Chicago? kind of vision of its own. I thought, I, thought, I thought Gotham was basically supposed to be Chicago. You know what? Gotham probably is. With all, like, the, the mobsters and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, because, like, Marvel basically throws all their superheroes into New York, which, by the way, that means I would not live in New York, because there's that much super crime. But DC, they take their, they make their own little fictional cities, but I think they're all kind of, like, loosely based on places. Yes, and I know it's not, uh, it's not related, but I think Spider-Man 3 is the worst film of all time. Oh, I just rewatched that recently because once I I have a thing where once I start uh, watching a series, I have to watch all of them in the series, even if it's bad. And it's bad, but it's like if you're watching it knowing it's going to be bad, it's more fun. Like when I saw it in theaters, see, I, I didn't know it was going to be bad, Carl. True. When but I yes, I, I remember. Know, I agree that with kind you. Kind of destroyed, you know, my innocence and childhood. No, I agree with you because I went. Three was so bad. I I paid. It's the first movie I ever paid to see in IMAX. And I was super excited because it's like those swing sequences are going to be so cool in IMAX. And it was terrible. And I was pissed off. But watching it on home, at D- on DVD, knowing it's going to be stupid, I think I'm having a small earthquake. Okay, it stopped. But everything just shook for a second. Uh, knowing it was going to be stupid, I, w- I had a good time with it. It's so bad, it's funny. Okay. <laughs> Same thing with like, uh, I re- recently watched uh, the the... The Tim Burton Batman movies that go into the Joe Schumacher ones. Batman and Robin is a terrible movie, but man, is it funny. It's so full of just terrible yeah, puns. Is that the one with George Clooney? It's the one with George Clooney and, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Yes, it's really bad. Thank you. It's, it's really yes, bad, but like... Yes, it's terrible. But those the if you go in there knowing it's going to be bad and just watching it for the bad uh, freeze puns Arnold Schwarzenegger proudly wrote himself... It's really fun. It's so bad, but in a good way. Maybe they knew that going in, it was so terrible. We'd find a pleasure in it years later. Maybe because I've, I've heard a few. I'm not the only one that says this. Like there have been, there's been like a resurgence of people like, guys, give it another try and watch it from this perspective, and it's it's very enjoyable. Okay, one more uh, part of this. Oh, sorry, do you have something you want to say? Okay, yeah. You know what? When I watched the final trilogy of Star Wars. I went back and watched the first three, and they made a little more sense. Now, when you say first three, do you mean the prequels, or do you mean the original? Yeah, the, the prequels, not okay. the real ones. The real ones, of course, is like A New Hope and yeah, Empire. The, the original... Back Return of the Jedi. No, yeah. the, the, teenage, uh, the teenage Darth Vader ones. I can't watch... I've seen... I've only seen uh, the, the third one once, and the other two, I just can't... I've seen more times, but I still... I can't stand those. I hate the prequels. Yes, I do not like those ones. They came out like, geez, like in 99, and, and there were three of them too, but they were bad, dude. Oh, yeah. and they're, George they're, R. Binks. Yeah, oh, George R. Binks. They're not even bad enough to be enjoyable. The only thing I like about them is I became a big fan of the Clone Wars cartoon, which was surprisingly good, considering that it's, it's, a, it's a cartoon show that takes place uh, between uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. With all the characters from the movies that I don't like, but somehow that cartoon is really good. 
It does look interesting. I'll have to check into it. Give I've it a, seen it like turning, you know, flipping through the channel. It, give yeah. it, a, give it a chance. Uh, give it maybe a few episodes to get used to it, and it's pretty good. The only thing that's weird is there are episodes where Jar Jar Binks is a main character. And I'm like, you guys know that everybody hates Jar Jar Binks by this time. Why would you do this to people? <laughs> All right. Uh, just a yay cartoon. I guess. And the last uh, last part of this segment I want to talk about. So um, we have Hulu Plus, Hulu Plus with commercials, so we're not going to pay the $2 more to get rid of that. And I came across a commercial that I'm like, this is so weird. So they, it's a new birth control commercial. And, uh, you know, it's like women dancing around in like this colorful void. And, you know, it's fine. They're happy that they're on birth control and stuff like that. Cool. But then it is like any with, with any uh, medica- medical uh, commercial, it goes into the side effects. And usually these commercials, like they're doing something in the background, but they're not like dancing. Or, it's not like, it doesn't look like they're interacting with what's going on, uh, what the people are saying. But on this one, like you could die of a stroke, a blood clot. And the women in the background are just like dancing like, yeah. Could die from a stroke. <laughs> it's so weird. It just throws me off. Like I'm all for you get you get your birth control, but you gonna dance to bad, horrible side effects. It's just so exactly. weird. Exactly, you're celebrating that. It just well, threw me off. It look it looks really funny because you like, usually you can dis- disassociate yourself from that, but in that commercial, it's really hard not to notice that they're just dancing. Yeah, it's different because when you read it in a magazine or newspaper, there's fine print and it's so small. But it being on the TV or radio, they have to announce it just as loud. Side effects include da-da-da, insomnia. Even uh, like usually like for those commercials, they'll be like having dinner with their friends or something like that. Like they're not, they're talking to each other. They're not listening to the voice. This time it looked like they're grooving to the voice. It's just, it makes it worse. All right, uh, let's get into entertainment news. Uh, I really need to get, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's the main thing I listen to. Like, I, if I walk from one room to another, I grab a speaker and listen to podcasts while I'm doing that, which probably annoys the hell of my sister. Oh, not my sister, Mark. Well, that's gross. My wife. Uh, so, like, oh, where was I going with this? I had a point, and I lost it when I fucked up. Uh, well, this is oh, the first podcast it, I have ever listened or been a part of. So right. I well, mo- most podcasts have like jingles for their segments. And I just go like, well, done with that segment. I need some jingles. I need like some production value on this thing. But I am terrible yeah, at that yeah, shit. Yeah, transition music. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. All right. So let's get into entertainment news. Uh, the first one is, looks like there's going to be an Ace Ventura 3 coming on to Amazon Prime. Do you like that series at all? There's an Ace Ventura series? Well, there's Ace Ventura 1, 2, and now there's going to be a third. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes, definitely with uh, Jim Carrey. Yes. Like most um, comedies, the sequel was a big drop-off. But yes, I do love Ace Ventura. I'm excited about the third one. I was a I was a huge fan of those movies. Actually, the whole reason I wanted to become a comedian was because of Ace Ventura. And the mask. I was, uh, Jim Carrey was like my idol when I was a little kid. I read his biography up until that point, and I loved the, his stuff. The thing that I'm worried about is that I don't think that either one of those movies have aged that well. I think it might be like, did you see when they made a sequel to Dumb and Dumber? Yes. It was course. bad. It was so bad. And I feel like this might be the same thing. And here's something that makes it even worse. They have not confirmed that Jim Carrey is going to be in this Ace Ventura 3. They just said they're making oh. it by the same people who made Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. I'm like, that's not a good pedigree. This might be like a straight-to-video one where they cast some new young actor well, and uh, Ace Ventura. It looks like it's going straight to Amazon Prime, so maybe I guess that's close, yeah. Well, you know what? He was funny in the Sonic movie, though. He was fine, and it's, ma- and it's made by the same people. Good. It's, it's made by the same people uh, who are making this Ace Ventura movie, made that Sonic movie. I didn't really like it that much. I thought it was fine. It wasn't harmful, but I, it's not a good movie, in my opinion. Well, it was a lot better than that Mario one from the 90s. Oh, Luigi. that oh, movie's so geez. bad, it's awesome. Oh. It's so bad, I love it. Okay. Well, see, I at least... I, I, I laughed at some parts at Sonic. I mean, I knew it was a kid's movie. Oh, I, the, I don't have, like, posters of it on my wall. But it's like, I get it. This is charming. 
There's nothing wrong with kids' movies. I love kids' movies. I saw the last SpongeBob movie in theaters. I'm all for kids' movies. If it's good writing, who cares what the the audience is, is uh, specifically made for it? I still like it. Yes, anim- oh, the animated movies are awesome. Oh, yeah. Speaking of animated movies, I, I want to know what your opinion is on this. I know you uh, politically are different than me, and you might have a, uh, an opinion different than me on this one as well. So uh, they're making a sequel to Space Jam, and something that has a lot of people riled up is that they have decided to remove Pepe Le Pew from the sequel. Uh, Why does that upset you? Yeah. Is there, is there a reason why that upset you? I don't think Pepe Le Pew... First of all, I think cartoon characters, especially ones written decades and decades ago, are just comical. They don't have a political agenda. I don't think they I had think a... it's really hard to go to... I think it's really hard to do, like, the cancel culture thing. I mean, there are a lot of great examples of uh, society needing to erase or change things, but I don't think the Looney Tunes cartoon characters are one of them. Look, I, I enjoyed Pepe Le Pew when I was a kid, but you mentioned they were made a long time ago with different values than they have today. They're not, like, erasing those cartoons. They're saying maybe this character that is basically all about going after a woman without consent who is trying desperately to get away from him, even if it's a cat, is maybe not the best uh, influence for kids. Back in the day, we didn't know better. I still think Pepe Le Pew is funny, but maybe we don't need to throw that down to our kids. It's not necessary to include him in this film. He's from older, older, uh, older times where we didn't think about that stuff. We think about that now. We don't have to... Included in our day. I don't think that's cancel culture. I just think that's going with the times. Well, you bring up a lot of good points, but I just thought it, you know, it be a cartoon, you suspend reality. And, um, well, back in the day, I, I see it, but I, I, I watched some YouTube video and because they cut that scene in space jam two there was an actress who's not going to be in the film as a result. There are deleted scenes in almost... So I feel bad for her. That's that's bad, but there are deleted scenes in every movie where people that thought they were in it aren't in the movie anymore. That's just part of the business. But, like, if you go back to Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes, back in the day, used to do jokes about blackface and and, uh, just mock minorities and stuff like that. And if we stayed... We went like, look, it's old cartoons, so now that we're making a new one, we could stick with that humor. That would be wrong. Do you agree with that? I do agree with it, and you're right. It shouldn't be, I guess, in future cartoons, but I just think there are bigger problems kind of on the table or the plate. True. But if people think there's, if people think it's a big, big issue with outcry, you know, they have to be, they have to be listened to. But well, didn't Warner Brothers I chose to? A, I just think it's a cartoon. I mean. Come on, man. True, but Warner Brothers is the one that chose to do this. They weren't censored. They weren't like, look, we're not we don't want this in our in our in the movie. And they chose to remove this scene. Aren't you allowed to do whatever you want with the stuff that you own? Oh yeah, definitely. Like it was the uh Dr. Seuss people themselves, the publisher and the family. Correct. I, I, that they is took those yeah. six books off the shelf. I, yeah, one hundred percent that's exactly the same right. thing. They can do what they want. Okay. Uh here's a now nah, we already did something semi-controversial, so I'll skip that one. Uh, what do you think about this one? We might be on the same side with this one. Uh, so, you know, again, we, uh, we talked about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier came out this week. Ed Brubaker, uh, who I think is a terrific writer, he, uh, he's written for Daredevil and stuff like that. He's a comic book writer. He has mixed feelings about this show because all he got, he created the character of the Winter Soldier. Uh and all he basically got for it when they brought into movies was, good job making this character. No financial compensation. Now, he knows that's because, you know, he worked for Marvel, so it's artists for pay. But do you think it's a little bit messed up that you create a character that's so popular and just because you were working for somebody, you don't get any of the credit of the financial compensation for a character taken off like that? Oh, I think it's entirely messed up. Yeah, because they like... Yes. He creates something that's, yes. that's beloved, and like you should get more that's than just intellectual property. Yeah, it's intellectual property owned by Marvel, though, because he worked for them when he created it. But 
But I still think that you should get something. If they adapt your work and he becomes a popular superhero, you need more than just like created by Ed Brubaker. You need some like he needs some money for that stuff. Yes, and, and like, gosh, it's a, a billion-dollar franchise. Yeah. I and mean, similar things happened with the guys who created Superman sold uh, sold the rights to him for a couple hundred dollars, and eventually they made a little bit more, but nothing compared to the billions that Superman has raked in. It's just messed up that this happens, seems to happen with, like, DC and Marvel and any of these kind of big comic book companies all the time. It's terrible. It's just a fact of life. And uh, all... Um, in so many businesses, it happens where the competitive, uh, ruthless person uh, takes over. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just, yeah, I, I, it is all business, but I think just saying it's business, like some people do, it's messed up. If it's just business, then businesses, business should change because people matter. Yes, and... Uh, I think he should have been able to consult on the film, too. Yeah. Not just a conversation, but I want to know, since they have the technology to do these films right now, what do you think should happen with the character? Who do you think it should be? What character arc should they follow? Yeah, maybe not 100% uh, like that, but at least like go like, uh, he should be able to have a say if he approves of this or not. And he, he decently seems to like Sebastian Stan, who plays the Winter Soldier, uh, so, like he says, he's enjoying the program. He's just like a little upset that he doesn't get much more than a than a thank you for creating this. He has a right to be upset. He yeah. has a right to be upset. M- most definitely. All right. Um, let's see. I have a lot of articles. I'm gonna try to figure out how many we want to use. Uh, here's one I think is just really fucking stupid. So I'm a big fan of um the the gaming studio Naughty Dog. Uh, they're the ones that created Uncharted and Last of Us. Uh, which Last of Us is my favorite game, video game of all time. They have made an announcement that they are making new games soon. And people are like, that's news. That's not news. It's a video game company. And yet when the, the day that announced, all the, I follow like, like 15 different entertainment sites. All of them went like, Naughty Dog says they're working on new material. It's like, that's not news. And they go like, what is it? And they're like, are they working on a new, new Uncharted? Are they working on a new Last of Us? That's not news. That's just like, that's just guessing. I could guess before he even made that announcement that they were working on something and it could possibly be one of those things. That's so much of entertainment news. I'm not sure if you follow entertainment sites is like, like I will follow a celebrity on Twitter and they will post something about like this, uh, this movie isn't any good. And then like all the entertainment sites go like James Gunn thought that the, the black notebook was a terrible movie. Like, that's not news. That's just following someone on Twitter. You need to put a little bit more effort into your stories. And so much spam, too, at the bottom of websites, that clickbait. Mm-hmm. I get sucked into that. For sure. And then you have to press next, like, 32 times. Oh, yeah. The only, uh, the only fact you wanted to know about some celebrity. Some yeah, they, they, tease, they, tease, uh, they tease on the, on the clickbait thing, like, you won't believe this thing about Mag- Matthew McConaughey, and then you have to scroll like 15 it, pages before you get to the lie. thing that teased. I know. It talks about his early life. It's like, Matthew McConaughey was born in Texas and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I didn't want to know that. Thank you. Okay, uh, next story. This is also kind of controversial. I think it's interesting. Uh, so Will Forte, uh, former SNL guy, is uh, starting to do, uh, is going to try doing a new drama about uh, mental health and suicide. His character is suicidal. And mental health groups are upset about them making a suicide uh, suicide drama. I think it's wildly irresponsible because they think so, movies like this or, uh, oh, fuck, shit, look up the name before I try to make an example. There was a Netflix drama uh, years, a couple of years ago that came out that glorified suicide and they said it encouraged people to commit suicide. Uh, wish I knew the name. But, like, what do you think of people telling you you can't make this kind of drama because you, you, they think it will cause mental health problems? Oh, wow. Well, first, you're right. Will Forte is a, he's a great actor. He's very funny on Saturday Night Live. I like him a lot. <sighs> I'd have to say I'm on the fence about this issue of, like, 50-50. I can see both sides. I can see both sides, too. As a society, it's good that we want to uh, 
highlight and promote uh, mental health and not making a stigma. And uh, they feel that in doing, they feel that by, I guess, talking about this character's like real battle with depression and having suicidal thoughts, that it promotes it. It glorifies it, yeah. It glorifies it. But then the other side of the coin is, says you're tackling a real topic. If you don't approach it, you're not being truthful. That, and I also think, and I'm on the side of let him make the movie, is that I don't think we should be stopped from making art. If you if you believe in a if you have a story you want to tell and it's your story you should be allowed to tell it. If they think yes, it is no encouraging, what, I agree with you ultimately. If you it'd be like fifty one forty nine in my brain. Yeah, but yes, I, yeah, I would I, agree with you. I understand the other other side, but it's like you have to be able to tell your story that you want to tell. If it's your story that you feel needs to get out there, uh, if you if a parent is worried that this is encouraging suicidal stuff, for one thing. Look into your child if you're worried about something like that. Make sure you monitor what they're watching. The TV is not responsible for anybody seeing something they don't want to see. Or uh, violent video games or horror films or whatever they blame it on. Yeah. It, they used to blame it on rock and roll music. Ultimately, it's up to the parents to decide if they want their kids to see it. If it's an adult seeing this thing... I don't think a movie or a TV show is going to be the thing. And look, I'm not a doctor, so I'm blowing this out of my ass. I 100% admit that. But I don't think a movie or TV show is going to be the the final straw. The thing that's going to make a person is not suicidal, suicidal. They are okay, already well, need, I, they need help. Well, can I, can they I need turn help. this on your head for a second? Sure. I have another question about it. Do you think it's wrong that people who are working on this show maybe not have mental health issues because they talk about like the cultural appropriation and like, it's not right to play that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, okay. I don't think it's the same thing. It's disrespectful to act like, uh, you know, like a loony, you know, that's disrespectful to do because the real people have that struggle with it. Okay, so they don't get to stop when they don't get to stop their their uh, journey when the director yells cut. Okay, so I actually have a thought about this. It's a little bit different than a lot of people, even on I, like I'm more left. And my thought process is, you should be allowed to play someone if it's possible for you to physically be that, even if you aren't. Like if if you're a white guy, you can never play a black guy because you're not. You know, you, there's no chance you can come black. But if you're if you're if you're a, a straight uh, heterosexual uh, man, I still think you could play a transgender person because it's physically possible for you to go through that transformation. Maybe not mentally, but you could physically, possibly, maybe unknown to you, unknown to you, become a trans person or already are and don't know it. So I put on the, I put on that scale. Is it, you could play a person that's that's paralyzed because it's physically possible for you to become paralyzed. So that's the way. That's the way okay. I see things. Okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a real interesting take. Uh, I can see where you're coming from. Where uh, otherwise, I think it's like denying people of opportunities. So, what network or streaming service is this Will Forte show going to be on? Uh, it's a movie. I said. A movie. Okay. Well, I will watch it. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm uh, it's about a man who spends a year plotting his own demise. You know, did you watch the Ricky Gervais show? Afterlife? Yes. It's a great show. Yes, I watched it too. Because when you talked about the plot of this, I'm like, oh, like Afterlife. Similar. Was he trying to kill himself? I think he was just trying to see if he was... Oh, he tried to. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't about him him plotting his suicide. It was like, basically, he gets through the day and he's like, I think I'll kill myself today. Oh, he was like at the edge of the cliff. Yeah, is his dog kept? There was there was a couple times where his dog stopped him from doing it or something like that. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah, and then well, I don't want to spoil it for you know the people who maybe uh, haven't watched it yet. It's a great it's a great comedy drama about grief. I I'm weird in this way. I like I don't consider myself a depressed person, but I love depressing things. I love uh, stuff that explores grief. 
Uh, Dennis Lee Hain is a great uh, is the writer of Mystic River, the book. And uh, something I loved about that, it is the best writing I have ever seen on people dealing with grief. I've never felt it as much as I did with that. And I don't consider myself depressed, but I, I think I'm voyeuristic and I like living through other people's sadness. And uh, Afterlife with Ricky Gervais does a good job of, yes, it's fun, but it also you could really feel that grief in there mixed in with the comedy. So it brings you laughter and also brings you tears. I think it's brilliant. It does. It's, it's like the whole uh, whole roller coaster. Very cathartic. Most definitely. All right, yeah, and, and there, there, there's a lot of humor that comes from it. But yeah, it's really sad when he watches his uh, wife's, uh, not videotapes, but uh, recordings on the laptop. There, okay, that reminds me of something, and this would almost be something that would go into the beginning of the show. There are so many movies and TV shows where it's like someone's dealing with grief, where they have all this video footage that they watch. Like, I, I used to watch uh, Rescue Me, it was a show that I really liked, and uh, his, uh, gotcha. his son died, and like his, his, his brother died, and he's dealing with that grief, and there's like a scene where like he's just watching home videos, and he like pours alcohol over himself, like he's just gonna sign himself on fire. And I'm just like, and like I think minority it's a cheesy thing to do in TV shows yeah. and movies. Minority Report, he has home videos that he's watching. Like everybody uh, in, a, yes, in movies and TV shows, they always have and that. It flashes back to a memory of a date with Peggy Sue. But like I can tell you one thing: if if my wife were to die, I have our wedding video and and some photos. I don't have like all these home movies that these people have. Do you think that's a real thing or just the movie trope? Oh no 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 no. I think it's a real thing. I know people who have uh, the clothes and possessions of their loved one who dies. Well, I get the yeah. clothes and possessions, but it's what about like to, what about the whole movies? It's a way uh, that they uh, keep the person alive. No, I one hundred percent get that. I'm talking about the home movies. Like everyone seems to have like video montages. Do you think they have oh, doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's perfectly edited from uh, the wedding to the birth of the first child. Yeah. To a home run by Junior. Yeah. Or like, like a perfect <laughs> no. day where they're like eating <laughs> eating uh, hot dogs in the snow or some BS like that. It's just like random family. And like all the kids turn the camera. We love you so and much, Daddy. For an hour and yeah. the dad yells in the background. And, like, and there's just a bunch of boring stuff that's really on home movies. And everyone, and everyone's like always has like always 100% perfect. The family loves the dad 100%. And like everyone's on their best behavior or it's funny when they're not. It's families aren't like that. I looked at some home movies uh, that my mom has uh, from when we were a child. And uh, my brother and I were dicks. That's funny, Carl. You're right. And um, our parents, these people, are like little uh, Steven Spielbergs. They're great filmmakers, even though they're just holding a Sony handicap. Yeah, freaking rescue me. You want real ones in your hands. Have shaky. Your parents have shaky hands. Yeah, rescue me. He was a freaking firefighter. He had nothing to do with filming, and yet film was beautiful. Great editing. Yes, exactly. All right. Let's and see. they always have regret that they didn't spend enough time with the person while they were here on Earth. Well, it's like, if you just spend so much time editing those whole movies, you know. That that needs to be seen in there. Please, honey, come out. We haven't seen you in so long. You've just been editing yeah, these movies. Leave me alone. I'm editing your video, so I'll be sad when you die. Yeah, exactly. All right. One more story. Uh, are you a fan of Zack Snyder? Like, could you repeat that? Are you a fan of Zack Snyder? Um, yeah. He, he's not the one who got in trouble, right? No, he didn't get in trouble. Zack Snyder's the director of Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, uh, the Justice, well, the original. Yes, yeah. yes, I, I, I'm a fan of his. Okay, he's, I, I hate his movies with a passion, but um, I think this is interesting. So they finally, HBO Max re finally released the Snyder Cut which his fans have been asking for for a long time, and they seem genuinely happy about it. So I'm happy for them, even though it, I'm going to have to watch it, and I know it's going to be torture, and it's four hours long. But the thing... Four hours long? It is four it hours is. long. It is, his version is four hours long. But the thing I think is interesting, he has said in an article that they're not going to continue... Like, this is very different than the Josh Sweden version that got released. And they're not going to continue 
Zack Snyder's version, even though they made a director's cut. The thing I think is weird, though, is he knew this ahead of time, and he left cliffhangers. Purposely left cliffhangers. I'm like, so people have been asking forever for the Snyder cut, and all they're going to get is a bunch of loose ends that they're never going to get solved. Isn't that annoying? Yes. I find it very annoying. Obviously, the fact that it's getting such big buzz, because even I heard about it, like, the new Zack Snyder cut moving to HBO Max. Um, Yeah, it's kind of a screw you to the fan, like pulling the rug out from under them. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Or it's a billiard play, or it's just raising the stakes for Zack Snyder's agent to come back to the franchise and say, the fans demand uh, a sequel, if you will. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he doesn't seem like he's keen on coming back to the universe after this, but I mean, if the fans go crazy again and he's very, po- I don't know why he's popular, but he's very popular. I think i think that, yeah, they could dump enough money on his porch that he might go, okay, sure, let's continue this thing. It definitely is huge. Well, yeah, and it kind of opens up Pandora's box for a new kind of a film. Like, musical artists, I remember in the past, asked for that, and it was done because they had such a problem with their label or the producer. Mm-hmm. But now, directors doing that, that's kind of cool, actually. What do you, what do you mean by, by doing that? Are you talking about, like, reworking their projects? Yeah, like, uh, Zack Snyder was very unhappy with the version. They didn't use his Batman. Yes. Well, musical artists have done the same thing. Years later, they release their version of uh, an album. Yeah, like I think Taylor Swift just re-released all her early work uh, and did it again. Recorded it again, yeah. Yeah, Taylor Swift is working on it. She's re-recording every song and album. Yeah, that's interesting. And I remember when I was younger, the Beatles let it be. Paul McCartney had a version called Let It Be Naked come out. So, yeah, just different arrangements of songs and re-recording them. It's cool. I don't know. Like, I wasn't a big fan. Like, I, I, I did, I'm not a big fan of uh, kowtowing to fans outcry for something. Look, I don't think the Justice League original movie was that good, but it was the version that got released, and they should have just stuck with that. Same thing with, like, Sonic the Hedgehog. The, the studios uh, caved in, and like they, when they made that terrible-looking Sonic, they caved in to audience demands and changed it because the audience people told them to. I think art by demand of the people is a bad idea, and it sets a bad precedent, in my opinion. Yeah, it puts you on a slippery slope, and why are you even making movies or TV shows? Well, yeah, once audiences found out... They out to the audience, it- once, uh, yeah. once they found out they can get their own way by creating a stink, it's definitely going to get worse as time goes on. But I mean, I'm, I'm happy for the Snyder fans right now. They got something that they wanted. And it turns out, looks like Josh Sweden was a piece of crap. So good thing his work is getting replaced. But I'm still think it's a bad idea. All right. Oh, one last point. Sure. Um, there's not an outcry. There was, there's not an outcry for these movies to be made. It's just a lot of time has passed, too. No, one. The, I, I can tell you as a person who's constantly online and who lives in comment sections, uh, the Snyderverse, the, the Snyder Cut, there was an outcry. There was a huge outcry. It was You could not escape from it on the internet. Okay, but like you said, the first one, I forgot what movie you were talking about. Sonic? So you said when it was released, no one cared. Uh... I don't know about that. I think people didn't like it that much because they want already when Justice League was first released, they wanted the Snyder cut. They didn't care about Joss Whedon's immediate. They didn't give it a chance, in my opinion. Not that I'm saying it's good, but they wanted the Snyder cut immediately. Okay. I get what you're saying. My mistake. Yeah. No worries. All right. uh, So now let's get into our last thing because you're a sports writer. I thought it'd be interesting to get your take. And, you know, I'm also going to give my opinion of the top three uh, best or I also did underlooked for my list of sports films. Uh, so uh, do you want to go? We'll go back and forth. We'll do your three, then my three and so on. So what's your uh, your number three uh, best sports film? The number three best 
three one yeah. would be the documentary The Last Dance. That's the Michael it Jordan was, one, right? Yep, the Michael Jordan one on ESPN. It was a ten part documentary profiling the nineteen ninety eight Chicago Bulls their pursuit of an NBA six title. Okay, that sounds interesting. I uh here's something funny. My number three is also a documentary. That's weird that we had all sports and both of our number threes are, are docs. So mine is called Red Army. And it is basically about, you know, the story of Miracle on Ice, the the, yes. the American U- Olympic team in hockey versus the Russian 1980, Olympic team. The yes. 1980 U.S. Well, Olympic this, men's hockey team. Yes, sir. This is a documentary about what happened to the Russian players after that game, the aftermath that that game had on their lives. And basically their country was pissed at them and made them suffer for this mistake. And it is, it was a fascinating documentary. I highly recommend that. That's interesting. Who did it? Uh, I don't remember. I, just, I, I, I didn't write, write that down. I just have it written down what the titles are. I've seen an ESPN version where it talked to the Soviet coach and the players. And yeah, it wasn't, it, it wasn't about the hell they got after coming home. It wasn't they were in, such heavy favorites yeah. to win the gold medal. It wasn't an ESPN doc. I saw it in theaters, but I uh, and my phone's going slow, so I can't really look it up right now. But it's definitely worth checking out. Well, that's awesome. I want to see it. All right. What is your number two? My number two is any given Sunday. Okay, that's a uh, is that is that uh, uh, Al Pacino? Yes, it's a football movie. Al Pacino is the beleaguered head coach of a team called the Sharks. It's an ensemble cast. It has Jamie Foxx, Dennis Quaid, Cameron Diaz. She plays the daughter of the team owner. And uh, I wrote, her trailblazing performance set the stage for future women in uh, sports. I have not seen that one, but I definitely, it sounds like a good movie. Al Pacino rarely is bad. I mean, maybe in more recent years, but back in the past, back in the day, he rarely was bad. It's, it's intense. I saw it on Christmas Day. We used to go to movies on Christmas. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. It's, it's a good day to do that. Okay. My number two is called Battle of the Sexes. It's a true story of the 1973 tennis match. Between uh, yes, Jean King and Bobby Riggs stars uh, Steve Carell and Emma Stone. It uh, deals with you know being a lesbian at a time where it's hard to be a lesbian and she was married stuff like that. Deals with sexism. It also just happens to be very funny and great performances all around. Uh, I mean Steve Carell and Emma Stone, you really can't go wrong with those two. So definitely, I think it's one that not enough people have seen and it's definitely worth checking out. All right. What is your number one sports movie? You know, I agonized over this decision today, and it was between two baseball movies, and baseball really works good with making movies because of the pace and everything. Well, you could build up that tension with American the pitches. Pastime. So it was between The League of Their Own and Bull Durham. And I went with The League of Their Own. Good movie. I have not seen Bull Durham, but I, I've seen The League of Their Own. It's a very fun movie. Again, you can't go wrong with Tom Hanks either. Yeah, there's no crying in baseball. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that's a, I, even if you haven't seen that movie, you know that line. There's no crying in baseball. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that movie. All right, my, that's my favorite sports movie. It, it's so, a great film. What is your number one sports movie? Drum roll. Mine, mine is one that surprised me. It is the, the Longest Yard, the original Burt Reynolds one. Okay, thank God. No. You said The Longest Yard. I'm like, you better be talking about the Burt Reynolds one, not that Adam Sandler one. I went and, like, I do not like Adam Sandler. I went and watched this Good movie. Choice. Oh my gosh. I like Adam Sandler, but. I make fun of him a little bit, and my mom loves everything he's ever done. And yes, I think he's childish, and his routine has never changed. Yeah, he was really good in Spanglish, though. Oh, he has he has he has his times. Uh, if you see un 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 fucking what's it called? Unsolved gems. I'm I'm forgetting the name. 
This recent Uncut movie, Uncut Gems. Gems. Of the year. Yeah, that was so good. Was that awesome. was really good. He's really good in dramas. Punch Drunk Love was really good. Rain Over Me, he's really good. And I like some of his earlier comedies. I like Happy Gilmore. But he's in, for a long time, he's been bad. But The Longest Yard is basically, uh, it's Burt Reynolds, who I oh. never liked Burt Reynolds until this movie, and maybe Boogie Nights. So I expected it to be bad. I just watched it out of curiosity, and I loved it. It's uh, it's a basically about a movie about uh, people in prison uh, playing uh, playing football, and it's really good. It's really sad at some points. It's really funny in others. And Burt Reynolds, I thought he'd be cheesy, puts off a really great grounded performance, and it's just a really good movie that I don't think enough people have seen. So definitely check out the Longest Yard original from uh, 1974. If it was made in the 2000s, you're watching a bad movie. Good recommendation. Good number one, Carl. All right. Well, uh, that has been the show. Uh, Chris, uh, do you want to plug your uh, your stuff again one more time? Oh, my name is Christopher Flock. I'm Carl's friend. Uh, I get a freelance for a lot of places as a reporter, and it's a truly enjoyable experience. Thank you for having me on the show, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. And people, if you like this show, please, please, please share it with friends. If they're looking for a new podcast to listen to, because uh, hopefully maybe some things are loosening up, your people are driving and going places again, they need something to listen to in the car, this is a great show for that. Or just put it on their devices anyway if you have access to their computer or phone. Just subscribe. It'll make me feel good seeing those numbers. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, like I said, I will be gone until May. Uh, so uh, just wait around for that. We have 26 episodes for you guys to listen to. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, when it comes to entertainment news and you want it two weeks late, come to Unlicensed Entertainment. Thank you. Bye.